Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Pro and Dialogue. My name is Danny Servick, and I'm really excited about this week's episode because I, I love the opportunity to to visit and talk anytime with, with, with coaches, with, with veteran coaches, with people that have done it at all different levels. And we have one of the best this week that's kind of been everywhere at every level of college and, and been all over the world, Bob McKinnon, um, who was the son of a... Uh, career MBA coach and executive, um, someone who, as we learn, started his coaching career as a player as he was in high school, um, spent 25 years at the college level at places like Notre Dame and North Carolina, as well as some um, some great Division three and Division two stops, and then uh, has made a great career working in the NBA and coaching in the D-League and G-League, the all-time winningest coach uh, in wins, uh, also the all-time in having uh, call-ups to the um, to the NBA. Um, but but more importantly, I, I love Coach Mack because uh, he's a teacher uh, and he teaches in this episode. And it's great for, for coaches and parents to listen um, and just emphasizes some of the themes that we've had uh, with everybody so far about just relationships and relationships win. Um, I love the line in this, in this where he's, nothing is t- no job is too small to do. Um, and expands upon that. Um, and obviously, we also, our paths crossed with uh, when the young Josh Majette was coming out of Alabama Huntsville back in the agent life of, and Coach Mack was the first of the NBA uh, families to give him his first chance and his first stint with LA. Um, and, and then we threw some, some, some other great stuff. So I hope you really enjoyed the episode. Um, it's a really good one uh, for learning. Uh, get a little technical in it for, for some, um, but it's, it, I think it's, it's one that all can learn from it. And um, hope you enjoy this week's episode of Pro and Dialogue. So when you start a podcast and you have um, your short list of kind of guests and that you that you listen to that you are they're trusted friends of yours and then both of them independently call you up and say you got to have this guy on. So when Greg Stolt, who was our first guest from the VP of Basketball Ops from NBA China, and then uh, Tony Ronzoni, who is Mister Global of all things with the Dallas Mavericks, both send me messages calls. Um, I would be an idiot not to have on uh, the great coach, Bob McKinnon. Uh, coach Mack, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Danny. How's everything there? All is well. It, it, it is, um, it, it's funny how the journey and through the sport and with basketball and, and how people cross paths. I, I can literally, there's a little snow on the ground here in Huntsville, Alabama today, and I, it takes me back to the fall of 2013 when I was an agent trying to convince you and your staff out with the Lakers and their D-League affiliate to take a look at the little skinny Division II point guard Josh Majette for the D-League draft and your assistant 
uh, Casey Owens at the time and watching tape. And it's funny now how you blink and six, seven years later and, 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 and chatting up and had, had the joy to get to know you, watch you that year. And, and as we're going through this whole project, really excited to have you on and kind of tell your story. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I remember that well. Uh, it, it's funny. Um, and that fall, I was home in Chapel Hill, you know, getting ready to go out to L.A. for training camp and the G League draft or the D League draft at the time. And Casey Owens, my assistant, called me up and said, hey, Bob, I, I got a guy, uh, this agent, Danny Cervic. He's got a kid who I think you're going to love. He said, I watch film on him. And, and Casey's a great judge of talent. So I was like, OK, I said, uh, you know, if you can, you know, shoot it over to me. So he shot me over the film and I'm watching and it's this little skinny kid, right. <laughs> who, who, when we, when we took them and, and, and we'd go into visiting teams arenas, security would ask, you know, for his credentials, you know, and <laughs> they thought he was the ball boy or something. Right. So yeah, I'm watching film and I'm like, wow. I said, this kid's terrific. So we get ready for the draft. And we didn't have a first-round pick that year. And we ended up taking Josh in the second round. And I remember people were in the league were, like, laughing at me. Yep. And, 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 and I said to Casey, I said, I said, Casey, this kid's going to end up being our starting point guard. And Casey was like, yeah, Bobby. He said, I, I think he's terrific. I said, me too. So we ended up taking him. Now, we had another kid, Josiah Turner, who was a former McDonald's All-American who played at Arizona. He was also coming in as a rookie as well. And I told our front office, I said, hey, one of these kids is going to start. One of these kids is going to be his backup. And, and I said, I think Majette is going to be the starter. And they were like, no, we want Turner. And I said, well, we'll see how it plays out. And that year, Josh ended up leading the D League in assist turnover ratio. Yep. And, and it just goes to show you, you know, I, I tell kids all the time, it only takes one person to really like you. And, and, and when you, when that one person likes you, if, if they're in any position, you know, you can, you can take your career and go places and look at Josh Majette now. Yeah. He's, he's a terrific player and, and is, is an NBA level player. No, it's fantastic. And, and that's, that's such a great point. I'm sitting here just kind of saying amen to myself as you're saying that like that, you don't need 30 teams to like, you need one, you don't need, you know, 30 coach. You just need one. That's the, uh, you know, that's the epitome. It really, with any level, right? All these guys that want, if you're, if you're a high school player and you're trying to count scholarship offers like scalps on a wall or, or, or you know, deer heads that you've mounted from the kid. Like, no, you just need one. You need the right one, the right fit. And that is, um, to me, that is such a, a, a great point. And that's what Josh kind of epitomizes. He just kind of kept grinding and grinding and grinding. And so it's a lot of fun to see. And But it's it, I love... Um, yeah, and you put the work in, and, and you take advantage of opportunities when they present itself, right? And that's what Josh has done. And, and, and you know, God bless him. He's made a great career for himself uh, out of, you know, uh, just hard work and determination, and he's talented. Yep, yep. Well, and, and if there's someone that can kind of speak to that, it, it is it is you. And, and that's one of my favorite things about you, and, and I'd love for you to kind of t to roll through and, and, and weave through your story, like, but... To, to start kind of from where, where it finished off, I mean, you're the all-time leader in victories in the NBA G League, but more so than that, which is what the G League and the D League was all about. It's about development and call-ups. And you also lead, um, which is my favorite stat of all of them, you've had the most call-ups of any coach. So you kind of get it. You kind of get what the picture is. You kind of get what it is. 
um, in, in, in getting these guys. But let's roll it back. I, I, I you know, we, we both kind of share a little bit. I was born in upstate New York. You were as well. Uh, you're the son of a coach and someone who coached at the NBA level and was a GM. Just kind of talk a little bit about your journey and just kind of um, how you got into the sport, fell in love with the sport, and, and just all the many, many stops along your path. Yeah, well, you know, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Uh, my, my dad was uh, the head coach at Kinesis College at the time that I was born, and, and I had four sisters. So, you know, this is back in the 60s. And, you know, back in the 60s, you know, since I was the only boy, I was fortunate enough to go with my dad everywhere. I mean, I can remember five, six, seven years old going with my dad on recruiting trips and, you know, driving to New Jersey to see, see a guy and, and actually going on home visits with him, you know, wow. and, and, uh, you know, having the opportunity to just be around the game. And, and, and it was just a great experience for me and to be around the game and, you know, uh, Growing up, all I wanted to do was be involved in, in, in sports and, and in basketball. And, you know, my dad had had me involved in baseball and, and basketball and football because my dad was actually uh, a great athlete. He was all state in both in, in all three baseball, football and basketball wow. in high school. Wow. And I actually was offered a football scholarship to Notre Dame, you know, among other places. That? That's that's the level of football player he was. He ended up choosing basketball and baseball. Actually, he went, uh, stayed local, played at Canisius College, was actually an All-American at Canisius College in basketball, and uh, ended up playing two years with the Syracuse Nationals in the NBA and also made it all the way up to AAA with the Dodgers. <laughs> so, you know, once his career ended as playing, he got into coaching and coached uh, in high school, Canisius High School in Buffalo for two years, then was with the college uh, for 16 years as a head coach and, and ended up going with the Buffalo Braves in the NBA, which started his career in the NBA and ABA with the St. Louis Spirits, then back with the Braves. And, and he ended up, you know, having a 23 year career in the NBA, ABA. And, you know, I was around it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, uh, we moved a couple times and, and, you know, from Buffalo to St. Louis and then back to Buffalo and, and, then on to New Jersey and, and with the Nets, you know, where my dad finished up everything. But uh, it was just great. I just got a chance to be around great people and great coaches and great players and, you know, just to be around the sport all the time and and, and see, you know, that really the, the sport is about relationships. Yeah. And, and the great relationships that my dad had with his players and, and the great relationships that he had, you know, working with people and things like that. And, and that really has has been the biggest impact on me as far as my career goes. No, I um, that's a great line, and and that's one and a common theme of of talking through just you know great coaches that have been in a long time. They, the relationships is the word in all of it, and that that really is um, that's the ultimate win. Obviously, it's a it's a it's a business, especially at the level that you've been for some years, the professional and in the upper levels of college to where. I mean, heck, now it is in high school, I guess, too. But, like, if you don't win, you're out. And But the part that you talk about of, of years later, um, I know we shared the story before we got on about the, the young 14-year-old you saw <laughs> one of your, your camps early on, and then years later he comes up to you. And, and that, that's the stuff that – that's what that's the win, right? 
Yeah, yeah, that story that we were talking about. I, I was fortunate. I was doing a camp in Gabon, Africa, you know, and, and uh, this guy, Stefan Lassamy, um, who I had never met, uh, his agent um, at the time, Justin Zanuck, who's now the uh, uh, GM of the Utah sure. Jazz, Justin was his agent and called me up one night and said, hey, need you to go uh, if, if you're free to do a camp in Africa. And I remember it was a Wednesday night and I was like, okay, you know, how many months, you know, when, when, and he said, no, I need you to like next Monday. <laughs> and I was like, well, don't you have to like get shots and stuff like that to go? <laughs> and he was like, he's like, yeah, why don't you go uh, tomorrow to one of those passport health places and see if you can get some shots. That's amazing. <laughs> so I did it. I jumped on a plane and, and flew to Gabon and, and I, it took like, you know, 18 hours and, and all that. And I, I finally, I get into Gabon, I had my passport and I walk up and, and uh, the guy at the passport thing, he looks, he goes, where's your visa? And I said, I, I don't know. I don't have a visa. And he's like, you can't get in the country without a visa. And I'm like, all right, I, I don't know what's going on, you know? So I looked through the security thing and there's a six, nine, you know, black guy standing through the security glass and he's yelling at these people and he comes around and he goes, coach, my, this, I'm Stefan Lesme. He said, just be patient. I'll get this taken care of. He said, I got to call the president. So I'm thinking, all right, who's he calling? President FIBA, the president of Bet. He's calling the president of Gabon. <laughs> <laughs> and within within 20 minutes, they had the secretary of Trail of Tourism over there stamping my thing with a visa, and I'm in the country. That's tremendous. <laughs> so then we do this camp, and what Stefan did, he paid for every kid. And at the time, Stefan was the first person to ever play in the NBA from the country of Gabon. Wow. And he paid for 36 kids to come to the, the capital Gabon, Centerville. And we ran a camp for 10 days for those kids from ages 14 to 17. And so this past spring, I'm in Portsmouth and I'm walking through the, the lobby, you know, the great Portsmouth tournament where they have all the, the seniors who just graduated. And I'm walking through the lobby and this kid, this six, nine kid comes up to me and says, coach, do you remember me? I said, nah, you, you, your face looks really familiar, but you got to remind me. He said, well, I'm Chris Silva. He said, I just got done playing at South Carolina. He said, but I'm from Gabon, and I was at a camp that you ran when I was 14 years old. He said, and, and when you ran that camp in Gabon, I made it my goal after that to get to the United States to play in, in college. He said, and I just graduated from South Carolina, and now Chris Silva's playing with the Miami Heat as a rookie this year. And I'll tell you what, I got goosebumps when, when he was telling me that story in the lobby of the hotel. No, that's incredible. I mean, and, and that's the stuff I love. I, I can never hear enough of, of stories like that. And it's, um, it, but that's the part of just making a difference. And, and you don't know. And um, I love guys like you that I can only imagine what, what your passport looks like with all the stamps and all the places. And like your Twitter feed is one of my favorite ones to kind of just follow just to kind of keep up. Because like, I never know where in the world you are and, and you know, you, you're in China, you're in Africa and you're in Mexico, you're in Australia, you're just kind of all over the place and in and, and all those places you're just you're you're teaching basketball, you're making relationships and you're helping kind of pave the path for guys like Silva and others. Um, talk of just a couple minutes and, and I know because there's a lot more stuff in the present that we're doing. Because you've you've been at some really cool places on the college level too, just to kind of frame the whole picture in in terms of when you're at Notre Dame and North Carolina. Talk about a little bit your college time and then the transition you did that to the professional level with Colorado and Idaho and, and so on. Well, I was fortunate, you know, um, when when I actually 
my coaching career started when I was a senior in high school. I, uh, my senior in high school, I had the great fortune. We had had it. My uncle was actually my, my, uh, high school coach, my junior year. Okay. And then they had cuts in the programs and all that stuff. And, and he actually left and went into insurance. And so my senior year with a young guy who was a coach and he didn't really have a coaching staff. So I got the opportunity as a senior in high school to not only play, but to coach our freshman team. <laughs> That's amazing. So when I was a senior in high school, I coached our freshman team. And then, you know, I, I went on and, and, and played in college at King's College in, in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. And our head coach there, Ed Donahue, going into my senior year, he came up to me and said, look, he said, he said, You're, our, our starting point guard's a junior. He said, I just brought in this freshman. He's going to be our backup. He said, you know, you're going to be our third string point guard. He said, or, you know, I can put you on our coaching staff. He knows, he, got, he said, I know you want to get into coaching. So I thought about it. And, you know, as much as I love to play and stuff, I, you know, it was kind of stacked. And I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'd like to coach. So that year we, I coached and it was funny. He'd go out recruiting and leave me in charge and I'd run practice. How about that? And, and it was great. And we went, my junior, we won 14 games. And my senior, we won 22. And had a great year and a great time doing it. And from then on, from, from that time on, I coached 25 years in college. Wow. And, you know, I had the great opportunity to coach at every level. Uh, I, my first job out, I coached at Mercer's College, which was Division Two, And then from there, I, I um, was fortunate that during the course of, of of working with my dad and all this stuff. And my dad was the GM of the Nets at, at, at one point, And Larry Brown was the head coach and coach Brown, because his ties with North Carolina got me into working camp at North Carolina. Okay. And this is back in the eighties when, you know, working camps was what you did as a, as a coach, yep. you know, like in my summer times, what I would do is I would map out every week and I would fill up my whole summer going week to week, working different basketball camps throughout the country. So Coach Brown asked me if I want to work Carolina's camp, and I was like, sure, I'd love to. So he got me in, and I worked three weeks at Carolina's camp every summer from 1980 to 1990. Wow. And, you know, the people I met that I worked with, with their Skip Prosser, Mike Bray, you know, just great names. Yeah. You know, R.C. Buford, you know, worked, worked Carolina camp. We worked together. You know, along with the staff in North Carolina and all the great players, you know, Michael Korn became a very good cl close friend of mine through working camp there. You know, I, I met Matt Dory, John Kuster, who both would later hire me on their staffs and that? all from yeah. working Carolina's camp and, you know, being around it. And and I learned a lot, too, because the great thing at Carolina's camp, Coach Smith, every week would have a coach's clinic for any of the camp coaches that wanted to, you know, come. And, and it was basically like a Q&A with him for two hours. And he would go up on the board and go over and go over film with us and all that stuff. So I went every week. So, you know, three, three, three times each summer I would go to, and for 10 summers, so I went to 30 Dean Smith coaching <laughs> class all for free, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and just like those experiences and, and those relationships that you make from doing all that stuff and, and, you know, going from place to place. And, and then you'd find out what guys were going to this other camp and try and hook rides up with them. And it, it was just a different time. And it was really a lot of fun. And, and then, you know, through the course, of it, like I said, I was able to go from Mercer's College, John Kuster, 
you know, who played at Carolina and, and actually coached college, coached NBA. John got the job at George Washington University. And again, through knowing me from camp, hired me on a staff there. I was at GW for five years and then went from there to Niagara University as, as the associate head coach there under Jack Armstrong, who's now a broadcaster with the Toronto Raptors. How about that? <laughs> and, and, you know, I think he got some award uh, this year for his work in broadcasting in Canada and stuff. So, you know, I, just great relationships with great people I've had through this. And, and the other thing that I did when I was at Niagara, I was there for seven years. I was fortunate to, to go and get my master's degree in teaching. And I think that has helped me become a better teacher and a better coach as far as understanding learning styles and, and how people learn and, and, and being able to reach each style and things like that. So that was a great opportunity. And then from there, I went to the United States Merchant Marine Academy, which is a Division three school in Long Island. I was the head coach there for two years. And for the first time in school history, while I was there, we went to the NCAA both years. So, and, and that was a lot of fun. And from there, I was able to, to go with Matt Doherty to Notre Dame. I was an assistant uh, for Matt at Notre Dame and then with Matt to North Carolina. Then after North Carolina, I finished out uh, my last four years in college at Marshall University and had a, had a great time there and met some fabulous people there. And, and then uh, after that, got into the pro game. Yeah. Now, that's – I mean, that, that, that is – the thing – you were at some – some major programs with some great coaches and the thing that I I've, I've liked about it and just kind of like in following you through your career that you weren't there like for a cup of coffee, although like you, you, you were there, you were, you know, and, and it wasn't just kind of hopping around. You just kind of built, built a new relationship and then went to the next. And that's so much with, with coaching of your, it's such a job about, and it goes back to relationships. That's my, that's my favorite thing of, of the coaching profession in that whole network is it's literally that you and I, um, may not know each other, but if we have a friend in common that does, that both speaks of us, like we're instantly friends. Like there's such a, there's a bond within that community of trust of, and, and that's the part where I think if, 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 if true coaches and, and teachers and, and, and building it and doing it the right way, um, it can really set you up as, as you go through on this journey, right? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, like you said, you know, when, when people respect what you do and how you work, and, you know, I, I think now it, it's to, a little bit to the negative side of it. You know, people are always looking for their next job. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, what's most important is, is doing the job you're at right now the right way. Oh. And, you know, my dad always told me, no, no job, nothing is too small to not do well. I love that. Line. And and, you know, so. I think, you know, instead of people doing their, the job they're at, trying to get to that next thing, you know, do the job you're at well and, and, and let it happen. No, that's a great line. That one will be used again. I love that. Um, all right. So, you, so you, you spend 25 years at the college game at every level, which I love. And then you, you make the jump into the NBA uh, and into the minor league system within the NBA. And at the time of when it was transitioning to really – um, I mean, you've you've been with the growth of the league, uh, in in from as as NBA teams continue to to embrace it more and more and send their players down more and more and start to own their own franchises. Um, talk about just kind of your journey through the D League, which is now G League, uh, and just some of your experiences and, and reflections upon that. 
Yeah, again, when I first got into the, you know, the D League, there were 16 teams. And my first year, you know, I was a head coach at the Colorado 14ers, and we had three affiliate teams that could send us players. Uh, we, were, we were with the Denver Nuggets, the uh, New Jersey Nets, and the Toronto Raptors. So the, the Raptors never sent us anybody, but the, uh, the, the Nets sent us players and the Nuggets sent us players. And because of that, you know, you, you couldn't run like, like I couldn't run just the Nuggets system or just the Nets. I, I, I actually had the fortune running my own deal. Mm-hmm. And when I first got into the, the D League, you know, I kind of looked in and I said, all right, how do, how do we motivate these players? Because I think as a coach, Danny, you know, the main thing you have to do is every day you've got to motivate the people who work with you and work around you. When you're the head coach, you've got to come in and, and be the motivator for not only the players, but your staff and the staff that works around you and, and make it an environment where everybody wants to buy in. Mm-hmm. And when I first got into it, I was like, all right, how do, the, how do I get to these players to where winning becomes important? And, you know, because they're not, they're not in the D League or even the G League now to make money. It, it's not, you know, they don't get paid the NBA salaries. They don't get paid big money. You know, that league is a league to get to your next job where you will get paid, right? Mm-hmm. So you got you to understand that these players need stats, and they need numbers. So I wanted to run a system where I thought the players could all get their numbers and, and wouldn't have to worry about that going into it. So I thought we needed high possessions. You know, we needed to play a defense that matched our offense, that was pressure, that would create turnovers, that would get numbers that way, create rebounds, get numbers that way. And offensively, you know, assists and, and offensive rebounds and scoring and all that stuff would be taken care of through our system. So once, once we took that worry away from the players, they could become concerned about winning. Mm-hmm. So we did, we were the only team in the league at the time, and, and we didn't have a name for it. We, we pressed and trapped and, and turned people out, and we, we were the highest scoring team in the league. I think we averaged like 128 points a game. And, and you know, we were going on, and – we had the most wins in the regular season, and we ended up sweeping through the playoffs. Uh, it's funny. We beat – Quinn Snyder was the coach of the Austin uh, team at the time, yep, and, yep. and we played them in the semifinals and beat them. And, and then uh, we played the uh, Utah Flash in the finals and swept them. And Brad Jones, who's now an assistant with, with Memphis, was the head coach of that team. And, and, you know, we just had a great run, and our players really bought into it, and it was fun to play that way. And we, we won the whole thing. So it was, you know, it was really fun to do, but that's, you know, the league at the time, it's 16 teams and you could kind of do your own thing. Now it's up to 28 teams and it is becoming like the triple A and everyone knows baseball analogies now, you know, because minor league baseball have been around so long, but the G league is like the triple A now for the NBA. Yeah. You know, it's, we're 28 teams. Every team is, is one-on-one with a parent club. You know, for the most part, uh, teams are running the systems that their parent clubs run. Um, I know when I was with the Mavericks the past three years, we ran everything that Coach Carlisle, you know, everything we ran was from Coach Carlisle, right down to the terminology, because we wanted that seamless transition when players went back and forth between the Mavericks and us, so that the players 
They didn't have to worry about learning new things. All they had to worry about was getting better. No, that's great. And, and, but, and, and again, I think all those things you just talked about then also um, emphasizes again, and it kind of just why you were so good at having guys called up and getting guys. And then, and then the flip side is like the guys that play for you, not all of them are getting called up to the G, but they're getting paid then in Europe or in Asia uh, or in yeah, South you know, America. Yeah, so. actually, last year uh, with the Legends, we set the record for the uh, G League having the most players bought out of a contract to go play overseas. Wow, I didn't know that's that. That's and, and that's so, like that's hard because that, I mean that is like they got to really want you and and for, for to do that uh, right because it's a fifty thousand yeah. dollar buyout. Yep, yep. And and we had we had four different guys get bought out, you know, and then shoot, we made the league two hundred thousand dollars last year. <laughs> uh, did you get you got a thank you note for that, right? Uh, I gotta, I gotta add a boy. <laughs> I love it. Well, th- this is a good, uh, a good segue because as, um, and we had on our, our, both of our great friend, Tony Ronzoni, um, a couple weeks ago and, and he's, he's one, if you roll it all the way back to 2000, oh man, I guess I met even Ronzoni maybe in 99, 2000, I've known him a long time and I, I, I cut my teeth, uh, on the international level. Uh, and then getting into it on the professional level with Tony. He's always been one um, kind of that's I've learned from. He's just an amazing teacher in basketball and those things. And obviously then with his time with the Mavericks, um, the, as they have been the leading f- franchise for so many years on that, talk talk a little bit now because and spend some time. You've been very active uh, over the past decade uh, plus around the world. I know you've done – a lot of stuff with NBA China. I know you've done a lot of stuff in Mexico. I know just, just talk a little bit about your kind of your journeys around the world and we can kind of segue that to then what one of the things we like to do each week on this as we speak to coaches, as we speak to parents and things in terms of philosophies of development of youth uh, around the world and, and, and then how we can kind of make that better here. Yeah. Well, again, you know, it, it comes down to relationships you know, um, you talked about Tony. Uh, you know, I, I met Tony uh, my first year in the, in the D-League when I was with Colorado. He was scouting our game, and he asked me for, you know, clips on a player, and I got them to him right away. And he liked that. And so we stayed in touch, and we became very good friends. And, in fact, I consider him one of my best friends. And through that, Okay, Tony got me involved with a with a group in Mexico called the Telmex Foundation. And the Telmex Foundation is, is owned and run by Carlos Silva, uh, who is who is, uh, I th- believe, the fifth wealthiest man in the world. Okay. And his foundation with the basketball, what they're trying to do is there's a big obesity problem with children ages six to 14 in Mexico. I think it's at a 62% rate. And so we're trying to do a program, do programs down there now where we are teaching coaches how to teach the game of basketball. So that it's fun for the kids and that, and, and to get kids more active. And we're, they're trying to really push sports now and basketball is one of the sports they're pushing and Tony got me involved in it. So the past, I'd say, nine years, I've probably gone down and done, done close to 150 uh, clinics in Mexico, all over the all over the country. Wow. And it's been a wonderful experience. 
Uh, you know, we're, we're really trying to get the kids active. We're really trying to give them a better alternative than the gangs and the violence and the drugs and, and all the, you know, all the bad stuff that's out there. Sure. And, and, you know, you can't just tell kids, no, don't do this. You have to give them alternatives. And, you know, sports is a great alternative, you know, through sports, you, you know, you learn about teamwork, you, you learn about, you know, doing for others, you, you learn about, uh, you know, working with others and, and, and you learn about working towards a goal and being goal oriented and, and just positive things like that. So, you know, I've been lucky with the Tomex Foundation to go down and, and, and work quite a bit in Mexico and, and, you know, we're hoping to really even take it to another level and, and get it going. And, and, you know, you talk about Tony funny, we were down, uh, I forget how many years ago, probably eight years ago, we were doing a clinic in Mexico. So we come back after the clinic and he pulls out his iPad and he says, Hey, I want you to take a look at this kid. He's in Slovenia. He's 14 years old. <laughs> and when he said he, he, he might be the first pick in our draft when he's eligible. And he was talking about Luca Dante. Yeah. And this is before, you know, I were talking about Luca when he was 16 Tony at 14 years old recognized that and, and started. And that's where Tony's relationship with, you know, Luca and his agents, all that's all that stuff came to fruition when it came down, you know, for the Mavs to make that pick. Yeah. That, he, that's why he's the best. I mean, he, he just, he is in, um, well, his relationships all over the world. Yes. All over the world. He is, you know, uh, you know, he started, he was one of the first guys to start with Dirk and then through Dirk and, and the relationships he, he built with people there, they get Maxi Kleber, you know, mm-hmm. on, on a great contract. Now who's a, a very good player for the Mavs and they got him without having to even use a draft pick. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, all those things, you know, and, and Tony's great. He has relationships all over the world and, and really, you know, and he's helped me with, with my career with that. And, you know, and, and then, you know, you talk about the stuff I've done in China, you know, uh, again, my, uh, actually my second year in, in the D league, I was coaching at Idaho and we were playing an exhibition game, um, with Utah. And as part of that NBA China asked if, if they could bring coaches over to our training camps and then, you know, help us in the exhibition game. And I said, yes. So one of the people that came over with that group was Greg Stoll. And Greg, you know, now runs NBA China and through Greg being around our training camp and, and working with that group, he has since now brought me over and I've done about 25 clinics over in China for Greg. And it's just, you know, you build these relationships and you show people that you care and you want to work through things and, and, and improve the game of basketball. And, and it's, you know, people, people around the world love the game. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just really fun. And, and, you know, I've had, had the opportunity, a guy, Troy Justice, who works in the NBA, has had me, had me down to the uh, Caribbean to do clinics down there and, and work with a program down there where, you know, uh, it's just the NBA and their outreach is just fantastic right now. No, it is. T- talk a little bit about, you know, because we, we started off the whole podcast project with Greg and talking about China and – Talk a little bit China, and then we can kind of talk Mexico too. Just in terms of um, focuses, uh, on, on, in terms of development things in the game, and what you see as a coach and, and someone that has been at every level for so long. Like, what are they doing that's a little bit different than us? What are things that you're trying to 
to teach them there or not, and then how that kind of segues to what we can learn from it here? Well, I think, um, you know, when, I, when Greg brings me over and, and we do coaching clinics, and, and he also, you know, uh, they brought me over um, in June. I ran a training camp for their 19 and under men's national team. And then in, in September, I ran a training camp for their 16 and under women's national team. And um, I think, you know, the biggest thing in, in doing all this that, that I've learned when you do it is, is stick to fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And, and the fundamentals of the sport never change. You know, the, it's funny. I, I do a series of, of ball handling drills, and, and we do it with two balls, and we call them the, the Steph Curry drills because that's what's popular. But to be quite honest with you, Danny, my dad was doing these drills in the 60s <laughs> on asphalt courts with us at Erie Community College, you know, at, 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 uh, at clinics you know, in the yes, summertime. Yes, he was. Yes. You know what I mean? So the fundamentals of the game never change. You know, uh, players may be more athletic now and, 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 you know, run faster, jump higher, all that kind of stuff. But passing, shooting, defending, rebounding, you know, handling the basketball. You know, I'm big on with kids, especially uh, in the grade school level. If you watch kids play at the grade school level, the best players are the ones who can handle the basketball and can make a right-handed layup the right way and a left-handed layup the right way. Mm-hmm. So we work on those things with the kids. Really fun them also. We work on ball handling. We work on shooting layups, finishing layups right away, and all different kind of layups and, and the right way and, and making layups. Because if the kids are confident when they play, they generally play longer, right? So we don't want kids to wash out of, uh, out of sports in, in eighth grade. We want them to try and keep playing, 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 because that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing, you know, for society. So I, I'm a big believer in, in, in the younger grades, ball handling, making layups the right way, okay, and, and really working at that, working at your passing, working at footwork. We do a lot of footwork stuff with our with our kids' programs and making sure that they can do all four pivots the, the correct way mm-hmm. and, and be able to make moves off those pivots. And, you know, so through that, then, you know, you go to the next level. And, and I think, you know, with our game today, shooting is, is a major emphasis. So if you look like in, in my – when I coach in my G League teams, we do a lot of shooting. Mm-hmm. And I'm big on, on shooting, and, and I'm proud to say – that every player who's played at least 10 games for me in the D league has improved his shooting percentage, but we work at it, Yeah, you know? And I think, you know, shooting is, is something that you can get better at, you know, and, and you can improve at if you work at it and if you get reps. Yeah, that's, I love, um, one of my great friends, um, Lenny Acuff is now the coach at, at Lipscomb in Nashville, oh, who is your awesome coach Hansel for some awesome years coach. is, and, and like, as I don't know if you want to call it unknown or, or, or maybe not nationally known as, as he should be, he's one of the best in the country. He is. It, he, you know, he was the first coach that recruited me back when I was heck 17. We had just won the state title here and he had just got hired as an assistant at Huntsville. He's from here. And, and so I've known him 30 plus years and that his, his teams are like that. Like his, their team three point field goal percentage might be over 50%. It seems like, I mean, they, everybody shoots and shoots, but they do it every day. And, one of his, he's got a lot of great lines, but one of my favorite ones he uses is the secret is there is no secret. It's just called hard work. And that's, and it seems so simple at it, but that's what you do. Like you have to, and, and I've got to become friends with coach Beeline over the years and, and very much Beeline, coach Beeline's like you, where he's coached at every level, of it, but they shoot every day. So like he did, whether 
um, he was at Canisius or whether he was in uh, West Virginia or Michigan and the, they shoot like that. That's why they're got, they practice it. And, you know, they're not, they're not practicing, you know, plays all the time or moves all the, they're just the basic fundamentals of, and, and that's one of the, the, the common threads that made me think of that from what you're talking about. That's what coach Acuff does every practice and coach Beeline, they practice passing, they practice footwork, they practice right. having the right spin on a pass. Cause they think that that helps, um, to use the baseball analogy, like you were talking about earlier with triple a coach, Acuff's son plays college baseball, but he, he, he talks about as a passer, throw strikes like we want to throw strikes and then he tells the 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 receiver of the pass though like like if he throws a strike you have to hit it and so he pulls in right. the baseball even in his day-to-day teachings with basketball and i and i guarantee you up at allen field house up at in nashville now that th- those same lines are being mentioned here in his first year and uh but it like to it's just all about the fundamentals and and that's great to hear you say that and i love that because the great teachers of the game um believe that do that and I think it's something that you know young coaches now and parents that listen to this as they're going through like that stuff's important it's not about how many moves you can put on Instagram or Twitter of this and with a a little music overture to it it's just the stuff that seems very boring and um you know that's just another be the master of boring that's another great a cup line too right right yeah and it is and you know I know uh, again with our teams uh, we always, you know, would start out, we had a half an hour before practice would start for the players if they want to come out and work at their game. Our coaches were always out on the court. And then at least the first third of every practice was always skill development. Mm-hmm. And then after practice, our coaches always stayed, and we knew no coach was allowed to leave the court until the last player left. And, and then we also did a thing, and, and again, because, you know, once I got to the the G League level, I, I really zoned in on, on uh, shooting the basketball. Is when we had uh, a practice day with no game or anything, at night we would have a voluntary shooting with the players. And we had a format where in, in 25 to 30 minutes I could get each player 20, 250 to 300 shots up. Wow. And we did that. And, you know, in, in my eight years of coaching in, 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 the, in the G League game, I never had less than seven guys out of the, out of the 10 D league available players show up for one of those voluntary workouts <laughs> and, and they understand it. Yeah. And we, you know, we used to talk to them about it and I tell them, look, there's no guarantee except for one. The only guarantee is if you don't do it, you won't make it. <laughs> I like that. I you like know, that. Now doing yeah. it, doing it, you know, there's a lot of other factors that come in, you know, it may not get you there, but, not doing it won't get you. That's the guarantee. I love that. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. I, I, I that's what we use. We do every week on this. Like we kind of talk about like having the your three point shot is is kind of like points of emphasis of whatever the the specific thing of what's important to you. And you know, we had Rod Strickland on. And he had just a tremendous episode talking about as coming up as a player up in New York City what it was. But then. Um, we've had, you know, John Roca from, from Spain with the ACB and talk about the Spanish. I like, I mean, I think the, your, your, anything from that, from your ball handling to the footwork to making it the right way. I mean, those are, those are three great points of emphasis. And then obviously like the shooting can, can be too. Um, cause I, I, we try to have a takeaway each week for, for, you know, a coach that can go apply it with his team. Um, or, you know, if, if, if it's a parent in the household or, you know, we have a lot of players that kind of listen to just to, Hey, what, what can I do to kind of go be better? 
um, cause I really want this to kind of be a teaching mechanism and, um, right. Yeah. Right. Well, I know like in my workouts now, like I, I do skill development workouts here in, in the Raleigh area. And I just actually did one this morning. I had five guys and we do it. There's a, a format. We, we do ball handling to start and, and get them warmed up through that. And then we go in, we do spot shooting. We're, we're working on form and footwork. And then we do shooting off the pass where they're, they're, where they're running into shots and have to catch and shoot and all different, you know, cuts. And we work on cutting. And, and you know, I learned that uh, from when I was with the uh, defenders, with the Lakers, you know, uh, watching Kobe Bryant and his emphasis on footwork and cutting. So we work on cutting into our shots. And then our fourth segment, we work on, on shooting off the dribble, whether it be a right-hand dribble, left-hand dribble, be a change of pace, change of direction dribbles, and all that. And then our fifth segment, we work on, on shooting off of pick-and-roll shots because that's a big part of the game now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and that usually takes, like I had five guys this morning, that took us about an hour and 20 minutes, and each guy in that workout got 350 shots up. Um, each guy got better. Each guy got better. Um, hey, in, in, in the last couple of minutes, a, a couple things. Um, spend a couple minutes just talking about, I know you're involved with the TPG Sports Group and a little bit what's that about. I know they have an event coming up. Um, I think it's out in Vegas uh, here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we have an event that, that I'm, I'm uh, actually running for the TPG Sports Group in Vegas. Um, and it's, it's limited to 25 people. And what it is, it, it's a scouting experience. And what we'll do with, with those 25 uh, people that, that you know, want to get into scouting on the NBA level possibly um, is they'll come in. We're going to talk to them and go through how, you know, how a scouting process occurs. And then we're going to go over and, 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 and scout four teams in an event. And then after that, they're going to they're come back. And I know North Carolina is one of the teams, and it's a great event. And after they scout, we're going to come back the next day and go through all the reports and have people, you know, talk about why this and, and the bucket that they have to put players into. And, and it's really it's a great way for people to understand and learn how the scouting experience on the NBA level takes place. And it's also one of the main things with the TPG group is we have a social, okay, at, at the first night too, where we bring in other people and, and they have a chance to meet people and make those relationships. And, and again, I'll talk to them about, hey, the guy sitting next to you right now, he may he end up being a, a, an NBA gym. Shoot, I, I tell him, I, I, I work camp with R.C. Buford. You know, back when he was a, a, a part-time assistant at Kansas, now he's the GM of the Spurs. So you never know who that person is going to be. And, and again, that's a great relationship builder. So it's a two-day event. It's, it's December 20th and, and 21st uh, in Las Vegas. And I think they have about three or four spots left if, if anyone's interested. Okay. No, that's good. And that is um, – they can go follow that at TPG Sports Group on Twitter. Um, it's a good stuff. And, no, you're, you're – um, you're just involved in some really cool stuff and have been for, for some time and have been lucky enough to, 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 uh, to know you through these years. And, and then, and that's the thing that was like, we touched at the very beginning. That was hilarious that, you know, both Greg and Tony, um, you know, Greg was, you know, sent an email from China. I was like, Hey, I've been listening to the podcast. Really love him. Like 
you got to have this guy on. I don't know if you know him, Coach Bob McKinnon. And then, uh, and then Ronzo was like, "Look, here's this is the guy. Have, have. And so I was just like, "You kidding me? Like, if, uh, that, that's a no brainer. Let's let's reshuffle the deck of the order, and we got to get him on." So, um, and, and, he, and listen, last thing, any kind of like just you, you've you've put a lot of great nuggets in this for for people to kind of have and chew on. Any kind of just kind of final thoughts of kind of macro philosophical stuff just for, for parents or coaches listening? Well, for, for coaches, especially for young coaches getting in um, again, what we, t- we talked about, do it, do your job and, and don't do it trying to get to the next job and, and do it because you love the game and, and love being a, you know, a part of somebody's life. You know, I, I, I read a quote um, the other day and it actually, I forget who's attributed. I think it was one of uh, actually our former presidents who said, his quote was a coach will touch more lives in one year than most people will in a lifetime. Wow. And, you know, you, you can have a big impact on people. And, and, you know, the story like about the kid, Chris Silva, I didn't know, you know, this 14 year old kid was going to end up being an NBA player, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and for him to come up to me and remember that and tell me the impact that it had on, on his motivation towards working and now not only is the nba player but he has a college degree which coming out of gabon africa he never would have imagined before that yeah you know and so as a coach you have a responsibility and and, you know your responsibility is every day no matter who you're working with you know what age group what gender what your responsibility is to pour yourself into that day and and make someone else better, and, and I honestly believe that as a coach, that's that's your number one responsibility. No, I love that, Coach. I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and lucky that I caught you here in the states, to where uh, we had a clear phone line and not somewhere in some remote <laughs> gym in a country around the world teaching the game. Uh, you keep doing what you're doing. It's it's been awesome to 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 know you through these years and follow you and and, and look forward to uh, continuing to do so and, and all the impacts you're making in all these lives. Hey Dan, always great to to talk with an upstate New York guy and. and uh... You know, I will leave you with this. Uh, one, one last thing. Let's go Bills. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, for, I'm for that. I, look, as as a transplant that went to Cleveland, it's it's a little bit, but, like, I'm still – I'm with you, and we can't even begin to talk about what my Browns are doing this year, so I will 1,000% ride with the Bills train. There you go. There you go. No one does it better than the Bills Mafia. No, I – that is a true statement. I agree with that 100%. So – um, all right, go go uh, get some rest and get ready to teach some more kids uh, and, and players to get better tomorrow, okay? Thanks, Danny. Have a great day. All right, Appreciate take care. Thank you having me on. Thank you, sir. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pro One Dialogue. I hope you guys enjoyed the visit with Coach McKinnon. Uh, you can get your podcast wherever you do, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean. Um, please go subscribe if you do not already. Go back to a deep dive through some of the, the previous guests. We talked about Greg Stolt from NBA China, Tony Ronzoni from the Dallas Mavericks, uh, both who are highly uh, recommending Coach Mack to be on, and as we all just learned, can see why. So uh, go subscribe, um, and we look forward to catching up with you soon uh, next week on the next episode.